We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is the Field of 68 after dark on this Wednesday in the month of February with that calendar page turning. It's great to be with all of you, everybody. I'm John Fanta. Steve Prohm is with us. Randolph Childress, RC, is with us tonight. And on the show to come, we have a loaded one for you, looking at some of the biggest games of the evening in college basketball. And we will be checking in progress on a top 25 matchup that's happening in Milwaukee right now between Marquette and Villanova. Golden Eagles up 14 on the Wildcats at the half. We'll talk about a battle at the top of the Big Ten. But we begin tonight with the Kentucky Wildcats. The Wildcats have been on a roll. Now 18-4 and on the season, gentlemen, after a 77-70 win over Vanderbilt. So I begin with this, Coach Prompt. What has allowed Kentucky to get on a roll? What's the reason? I think John Calipari, number one, I think um, he's done a phenomenal job of getting his guys. You, you see the, the transformation from last year to this year. And I think he's done a great job of, uh, of adding some pieces and, and getting those guys right now to play together, to play the right way. They had 22 made baskets tonight. 16 ball, 16 baskets were assisted on. When you're above the 60% ratio on assisted baskets, you're doing something right. Your kids are selfless. They're playing together. Uh, Cal's preaching ball movement, you know, player movement, spacing. The ball's not sticking. And then his good, his best players are playing at their highest level right now with Brooks, you know, Mint, obviously Oscars, you know, 17 rebounds tonight. Last time I checked. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a low down there and then, you know, and you know, Hey, tight ties, somebody's tight ties, not playing great night right now, but it's going to, he just got back, you know? So the great thing is they got, you know, severe who didn't shoot it great tonight, but he still gets nine assists. Uh, they're playing with a swagger Vanderbilt. I think Jerry runs good stuff, good actions. Uh, I've been down there, watched them practice a couple times, but when they're coming off such a huge win against Kansas, there's going to be a little bit of letdown, you know, from a standpoint yeah. on a on a Wednesday night. From their standpoint, on the flip side, you look at Kansas, not to get off Kentucky, they lose that game. Their focus last night was at a high, high level. Yeah, and, and RC, what I love about this group is, is that we talk about Ty Ty, and we're going to get to Ty Ty Washington and everything that he does well. 
But Keon Brooks Jr. has combined for 47 points over the last two right. games. What does that mean? I think if they get him or Tata going now, I, I think they're a tough out. I think they'll be difficult for anybody to beat. And I mean anybody. I mean, they just need to get really? one of those guys going well. I mean, the last couple of games has been Keon Brooks. He's been playing out of his mind. He had 27 and 20 tonight, you know, and, and it just takes pressure off. But one of those guys between he and Ty Ty Washington to, to be a consistent threat, just one of the two, I, I think they're going to be a tough out. I mean, Chibwe is just a force. I mean, let's just – because even with Wheeler, I think we – you know, I've been critical of him. A lot of us have been critical of him. He's not a shooter. That's fine. But when he penetrates and that big rotates over, he doesn't even have – I would just tell him throw it up. Like, he doesn't have to get it blocked because Shibuya is going to clean it up. So if he drives, I mean, he, he it makes him more effective doing that. He's, he's getting in the lane. He's taking care of the basketball. As long as he takes care of the basketball, he doesn't have to shoot it well. There's enough scoring around them, and, and, and they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, sometimes when you have that elite rebounder on the backside, you just throw it up there. You, you yeah. know, you're just trying to get it up to the rim even yes. if you're not even trying to make it. I know that sounds crazy, but because teams rotate so hard, if they don't sink down, rotate down to get that box out, and against Oscar, it's going to be tough to do that. Sometimes you just want to get that ball up the rim and then let him go get it like Randolph said on the backside, and that's why he's getting 15, 16, 17, 18 rebounds a night. Coach Prom, you, you said it to start. You said John Calipari's adapted with this team as the season's gone on. On this very network, I've heard it. I've heard it from some of our people that say John is the best CEO in college basketball. We all know that. But I think sometimes when people say that, it also comes with, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as sure about, about the way he runs offense. I don't like his offense, X's and O's. What say you to that when you hear that? He wins, man. He's won. He's <laughs> won at a high level. He's won everywhere he's been. He won at UMass. He won at Memphis at a high level. Uh, he's won at Kentucky at a high level. It's not easy to maintain excellence, especially, you know, at certain programs. Uh, and he's done it, you know, year after year. And, yeah, he's had a – you know, you talk about the COVID year or the one year, you know, 10 years ago they went to the NIT. You know, coaching a group of guys that are as talented as guys like him, that's hard to do to get them to play with 22 made baskets and have 16 assists. That means his message is getting across to those guys about being selfless, about being bigger than yourself, and about having long-term vision of if we can do something special as a group, and you always hear them say this, then we'll all eat. We'll all get paid in one way or the other. One thing I'll add to that, too, is, is that you notice, Coach, when he's kind of gotten out of the one-and-done realm for some of these guys, I mean, he has more transfers, more experienced guys. But when you got a bunch of young guys, the last thing you need to do is run a whole bunch of complex stuff, yeah. have them thinking. You yeah. paralyze them with information. You yeah. just want your stallions to go out there and just play. Yeah. And, and when you got young guys, you put them in position to say, hey, you do this well, you do that well. They, you know, they, that's been their MO. So I think he's caught a lot of flack for not necessarily running complex things. But when you bring in a freshman, you can't overwhelm them with information because the more you get them to think and the less they're playing, the less effective it is. So now that he gets an experienced team, he gets to run a little bit more. And I think that's he's gotten the negative publicity for that. But you can't overwhelm a, a, a freshman with, with, you know, that's the difference why some play at some universities and why they don't play early 
as at others. They just can't yeah. process the information fast enough. If you get 80 in Allen Fieldhouse and you score 100 on Tennessee, Rick Barnes and, and Bill Self coach team, I, I don't know yeah. if we need to sit here and talk about what kind of offense he's running. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, come you on, know. come on. And, and they've gotten better as the season's gone on. And part of that, RC, is what you said. Like, you, you, have, to, you have to grow uh, with who right. you are. You, it all can't come right away. Coach Prom, how do you coach freshmen? What's the process that Cal does with these freshmen? How did you coach them? You know, the most of the time I'll just say, hey, put the pressure on, put the pressure on me. I remember I had a kid, Cameron Payne. Uh, he was replacing Isaiah Cannon, and he was one of the top players at Murray State, and Cameron Payne's coming in. A lot of pressure on him to replace him. Hey, man, you just play. You know, the last thing I need you to do is be looking over at the bench. You play. I'll deal with all the, the – if you make some turnovers, you take some bad shots, I'll deal with all that. You play, man. The pressure's on me, man. You need to be relaxed and play. And um, been fortunate to have some really good freshmen and have guys, you know, Taylor Horton-Tucker, Tyrese Halliburton, Lindell Wigginton, and, you know, Cameron Payne, those guys. Those guys were really, really successful for us as freshmen. And – Obviously, very talented. That helps, number one. Uh, but number two, then you just want to give them a lot of freedom and confidence. Kentucky rolling, 18-4. and four. I'm looking at it, guys, because the Wildcats are 7-2 and two in SEC play. And Auburn's, the toughest part of their league schedule is done. Now they're at 9-0. and oh, But if you look at their schedule coming up, like Kentucky's got Alabama up next. This Auburn team has Georgia. Arkansas, home against Texas A&M, home against Vanderbilt, at Florida down the stretch. Like, I don't know if they're – I don't know if Kentucky's catching Auburn. That's a reflection of how good Auburn is. <laughs> Randolph, could we see – could we see, Randolph Childress, the Southeastern Conference have two Final Four teams? Absolutely. I, I don't think anybody would question that. I mean, and if and if you had to pick it right now, depending on how the brackets fell out, I mean, who would argue Kentucky isn't a Final Four team right now? And no one would argue that Auburn's not. So they they're definitely two teams that we would we would expect. But definitely, I'd be shocked to see if forty percent of the brackets wouldn't have those teams when it's all said and done to have Kentucky coming in or or, or Auburn in the Final Four. And they probably okay, have more than that that has a chance to do that. You know, you look at I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Alabama's Alabama. a team that's set up yep. the run because of the way yep. they're going to play. Now, yep. they, there's more of a matchup with me. I don't think – I think a dominant big, they'll struggle against a, a, a force inside because of their play. But any of the small balls or the, the low major, mid-major programs early on, that's a matchup Alabama's they don't want to see. They, that's yeah. a tough matchup for them, you know. And you don't know can L, can, can LSU and I know they had a, a lost at home last night to Ole Miss, but can they make a run? And I'm still a Tennessee fan. I still think Tennessee's a, a really good basketball team. And the one team that's coming now, Arkansas. They've won seven in a row. They've won six in a row in league play. You know, I don't know, but I'm not talking Final Four. I'm just saying that they're playing. They're playing playing really well. The question I think is, can Auburn run the table in the SEC? You know, can they go 18 and 0? You know, in the SEC, it'll be interesting to see. Steve, you got a great segue there. I mean, it, that that we might be taking bracketologist jobs tonight. We're going to play blind resume again. <laughs> Coach Prom, he could host if we ever need a fill-in host. My question is: here's the hardest question because I got the answer is both, right? I mean, 
But if you had to pick one roster, if you had to pick one roster, Coach Prom, to start working with right now that you believe more in, I know it's hard to pick, but that's why we ask you the question, Auburn or Kentucky? Uh, right now, Auburn. I, I love Kentucky. They're playing really well. But I, we've been – I think I've been on the show with, with Randolph before we were talking Auburn. I love Auburn right now. I, I just don't see the weakness. And, and one of their really – you know, one of their superstars from last year, you know, in Flanagan's um, – you know, he, he was injured. He's still coming right now. You know what I mean? So, and he's got a lot of firepower, but you look at, they got guard play. They got toughness. They compete defensively. Uh, Pearl coaches with a swagger and a toughness and a chip with him. And then they've got an elite shot blocker in Kessler. And then Jabari Smith is a difference maker uh, offensively. Um, I think they're really good. Uh, I wouldn't turn down Kentucky's roster, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey, I tell you, I, I, I'm loving it. But we are about to be live right here. Feel the 68 After Dark, Sirius XM, Channel 84. It is great to have you all with us. John Fanta, Steve Prohm, Randolph Childress with you tonight. Sirius XM, Channel 84, the ESPNU station. We want to welcome all of you who have just been listening to Illinois, the 18th-ranked fighting line. I'm making a statement over Wisconsin, an 80-67 to win between two of the best in the Big Ten. Kofi Coburn goes for 37 points and 12 rebounds. Randolph Childress, I tee you up with this. Is Kofi Coburn the best big man in America? You know what? It's going to be hard to 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 argue against that. I'll say he's playing as well as any big, any big in the country. I, I, I can't disrespect Oscar Sheboy. I think he's been a an absolute force. Uh, but but Kofi has just been dominant. I mean, I I, I would like to see him be a, a little bit better defensively. I think he puts so much effort in, in, but he he puts a he puts a physical pounding on teams. He's imposing his will on people and. And and I haven't seen anybody slow him down. I mean, we we've seen some. He's had some off nights, but he's he's starting to edge his name up into the the, the player of the year and, and Big Ten player of the year conversation. I mean, he's been there, but I think he's starting to get to the front of the line on that. Hmm. Steve, Sixteen for nineteen from the field. He was dominant. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, he's you know you when you we do those all American teams and you write you know it's like. You know, I mean, you could throw a bunch of these four or five men on there. You know, Oscar, Kofi. Um, he needs to stay out of foul trouble like he did tonight, you know, for Illinois to be at their best. Uh, but Illinois, the great thing about them is they've been – they've won without him and played well in stretches without him now. They're starting to right. learn how to right. do that. But when he's right like he is tonight, he's a dominant force. And that's a big win, you know, uh, for Illinois tonight. Huge win. First place in the Big Ten. Yeah, a massive win as the Fighting Illini take over the top spot in the Big Ten with a statement win over Wisconsin. And I think that the the ultimate testament of who the Illini are is the fact that they're down Kofi, they're down Andre Curbelo, they still beat Michigan State last week. That was such a telling win, Randolph, and I see you nodding. But now tonight, like, Trent Frazier only scores seven points in this game. And we've been talking about his importance but even when he's not scoring the ball, he had seven assists in this game tonight, Randolph. What's he mean? 
it's not it, the ability to score. I, that's why I like Illinois. I'm how Illinois is. It's not just because Kofi and how dominant he is. It's their guard play. And Corbello's been out most of the years, only played in six games. So he's been a rock for that team. I mean, he's kind of stayed. He and Frazier just, you know, Plummer and Frazier just kept that, you know, that team together. And they're getting, they're getting, you know, buckets here from everybody else. But those three, when Corbello comes back, by the time they get to the tournament, I, I think they have a legitimate chance of making a run at it. I, I don't, because they're balanced. I mean, they're going to have a dominant inside force and three guards that can, I think outside of Miami, they, they're going to be as good as any three guards that we're going to see in, in, in the tournament this year. Yeah, and Demonte Williams, you, you just – he is such a – he is such he an important, important player for that team. Uh, and I always say, like, he's a legacy player. His dad was a phenomenal player there. You know, so he gets the tradition. It means more to him. Uh, he understands. He just gets it. But, you know, again, like Randolph was saying, you look at – it's not always about points. And you look at his stat line tonight, you know, it's eight rebounds. It's five assists. You know, he just does everything. He guards the toughest player on the other team most nights. Um, and then on the flip side, when you look at Wisconsin, for them to be great, they need that – they need the three-headed monster to show up. Like, they can't – it can't just be two of the three. You know, it can't just be Johnny – and uh and tyler you know or johnny and brad it needs to be johnny brad and tyler you know and then Crowell and hepburn they got to pitch in but they got to have three guys for them to go win games like this tonight i thought Crowell needs to play well tonight bringing it pulling them out from the basket they need him to pull kofi out from the basket and if he's not making yeah. shots and kofi gets to hang in the paint I, I thought that perimeter defense of illinois was able to smother the shooters and they needed Carl to, to pull Kofi out, and when he couldn't make shots on the perimeter, I just thought the rest of the guys were in trouble. National Player of the Year candidate Johnny Davis goes for 22 points, but another night where you had to make him you, – you, you, you made him uncomfortable for him to right. get there. They made him earn it. And, yeah. and that's the thing. For those, for those who, who don't believe that the Illini defend well enough, they have shown guys the last week defensively to, to – Force Johnny Davis, Coach Prom, into five and nineteen from the floor. That says it all about what you can do defensively. You said they smother the shooters. A thirty-eight percent defensive field goal percentage. I mean, that's elite. I mean, that's high level. I mean, you know, maybe you can get 35, 36, 37, but if you go thirty-eight, you hold them to twelve percent from the three. And then on the flip side, again, we talked about Kentucky sharing the ball. Look at the assisted baskets for Illinois. I think 21 out of 32 baskets. Uh, but I think Brad's teams are about toughness. They're about competing. Yeah. You know, he is pissed off about Trent Frazier not being, uh, you know, named on the defensive player of the year list. I mean, he should be. You know, he, he should be. Uh, DeMonte Williams, those guys, I mean, they hold a very good Wisconsin team at 38% shooting. That's, that's, that's winning, winning characteristics. All right, we got a break. Sirius XM Channel 84. Feel the 68 after dark right here on the ESPNU station and to YouTube and Twitter. Get the chat going. Let us know what you think. We're at the field of 68. Up next, we continue talking about the Big Ten. What to make of this race? We'll hit again on those Kentucky Wildcats who are red hot. And I put Steve Prohm and Randolph Childress to the test. Bracketologists. Be damned. 
These are the new <laughs> metrics, guys. We're going to play the bracketology game this evening and play blind resumes because it's February the 2nd, and it's time to decide on who is going to dance next month. This is the Field of 68 After Dark on Sirius XM Channel 84. What we got, John? Okay, I assume we're clear. Um, We have questions on YouTube. We're taking your questions tonight. And I am in disbelief at the first question I just read. From Aaron Anderson. Mark my words, guys. Auburn's losing the first weekend of the tournament. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, Aaron, are you drunk? Why would they lose? What would... would, like, if there's any flaw to Auburn, what is it? That their guard plays a little bit too frenetic and maybe they have an inconsistent game? I don't even buy that take, but what do you think? Well, they're not going to lose the first round. It's not going to be, you know, you know, I know uh, Maryland-Baltimore County beat Virginia a couple years ago, 116 game, and, I'm, <laughs> and Auburn's going to most likely be a one seed. It's not going to happen that first weekend or first, first game. If it was to any chance happen the second game, it would have to be small ball where they could really get Kessler, you know, away from the basket, you know, and, and open up the floor to where, you know, he, he's, he can't be a factor at the rim. That would be my one, you know, one thing I would think. Then they put Jabari at the five. Ask another question. I'm not even commenting on that. That don't make, make no sense. There's no way in hell they'll lose the one game, man. Get another question. Man. I'm not, I'm not even commenting on that one. Like, get out of here, man. 10 seconds. Aaron, go to bed, Aaron. <laughs> Go to bed, Aaron. Hit the sacks. For heaven's sake. Hey, I didn't know no, we could no. be that. I didn't know we there could be go. that ruthless, man. We we just should have gonged him. You know the old gong show, man. He should have got gong. All right, feel the sixty-eight after dark on Sirius XM Channel eighty-four. Steve Prome and Randolph Childress are with me. I'm John Fanta. We're taking you up until about midnight here. We are talking about a lot in college hoops on this second night of February. Right now. Villanova and Marquette are in a battle. Nova was down by 16, and the Wildcats have gotten to within five. So we're following that as Tyler Kolick just did a three to put the Golden Eagles up by eight. Big big game in the Big East. Villanova trying to just stay a, a, a loss uh, a uh-huh. game back in the lost column of Providence. So you, you lose this game, and you're two games back in the lost column of Providence with UConn coming in Saturday. And Marquette trying to make yet another statement. Shaka Smart, a game changer, and then some, Randolph. We've talked about this, you know, a, a lot. I mean, he's he's in a comfortable spot. I don't, I don't see him moving until he retires at this point. I think he's at a program, you know, we said it just fits him. He gets to get older guys, you know, a, a basketball-only place. Not consumed with football like he was at Texas, and 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 this these guys are just battling for him. He changes the culture no matter where he is, and these guys, it, you know, th- if you spend five minutes with him, you, you'll you'll understand why. And and, and this, so none of us are really surprised. We thought we didn't think Marquette would be this good this fast, though. I, I don't think any of us saw this coming. I thought they'd be competitive by the end of the year. I mean, now we're just talking about what seating they're going to get, and th- th- I think they'll finish this out tonight against Villanova and. And had they not struggled out of the gate, we'll see. Well, you also think about – think about the Creighton game they lost at home. I mean, the game – they had the game one. Alex O'Connell makes a miracle three. Yeah. You know, uh, they lose to Providence, you know, at the buzzer. They lose a tough game at home to UConn. 
Great thing about Shaka's team, they didn't cut off to a great start in the Big East. Yeah, I think they were 0-2. After tonight, they win tonight. They've won eight out of the last ten in the Big East. Hey, listen to this. Well, and still a lot of games. A six-point game. Villanova can make up for that quickly. But but listen to this. Here's your stat of the night presented by Bet Rivers. Marquette is the first team in Big East Conference history to begin league play 0-3 and then reel off seven consecutive wins. In fact, you would have to go back to the late 1980s for a team in any conference to lose their first three league games and then win seven in a row. It was Vanderbilt back in the late 80s. I mean, how about that? To lose your first three in this league, a league that could send seven to the NCAA tournament and then win seven in a row. Yeah, the only thing I remember, you know, I, I shock and, and Randolph already touched on it, but, you know, and coaching against him for a long time and knowing him as a friend, he looks at peace there. He just looks at peace. He's coaching ball. He's at Marquette. You know, his guys are playing extremely hard. They're sharing the ball and they're winning games and they're having a lot of fun. And I know he's from Wisconsin, but I think he's a great fit there. Um and I, I think that, you know, I didn't realize it was 0-3. So, they win tonight. They've won eight out of their last nine in the Big East. I mean, that's phenomenal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the one loss is to a Providence team that's 19-2. and And, Coach Prom, you brought it up before we came on the air. By the way, feel the 68 after Dark Series XM Channel 84. Folks, the Providence Friars are 19-2 and and 9-1 and in the Big East. At a certain point, if you still are on a hill of luck or yeah. fortune or they're just damn good, Coach Prom. Yeah, and I, I think Randolph, we we talked, you know, off air, like, man, 19 and two is 19 and two. Stop. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> stop the lucky, stop this other team's got injuries. I mean, if you're in it as a player or a coach, you know that if you're 19 and two, you're damn good. Stop all that stuff, man. Them dudes are 9-1 and one in the Big East. A team that's going to get probably six teams in the NCAA tournament. You know, when I'm just going off the top of my head. Stop that. It's like the Auburn uh, question, Randolph gone. It's yeah, I, I, I'm not even commenting on that, um, that, that Auburn comment. Like this, I, I'm, 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 <laughs> Providence is 19-2. and two. Like, Yeah, yeah, and it's not like they're in a, it's not like they're in a, a, a mid-major league or a league that doesn't have a lot of notoriety where the majority yeah. of their wins are coming in layup fashion. They are 10 and two. The Providence Friars are a combined 10 and two against quadrant one yeah. and quadrant two. Well, nobody on our show thinks they're lucky, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> it, 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 it's well, not, not now, not anymore. It was, yeah, it was, no, it was, not, it was not only it, not right now. It was only a few of us that was pushing that. We had some guys, Harlem, UConn, some other schools, but we're we going to lead them out of it right now. But <laughs> we had a few guys that was tooting, was tooting the horn from the beginning. I, I, will, I will say I was, I was pushing the Providence bandwagon a while ago. They may be the same ones doing the voting that's got Creighton out right, of the right. tournament right now. Right. We'll How get about to that, that segment. Crazy. And, you know, you think about Marquette, they're 15 and 7. But they've had quality game after quality game. I mean, even there, they've played 11 quadrant one games and they're six and five. You yeah. know, they beat Illinois. Illinois didn't have Coburn, but look, Illinois won games. They've beaten teams without Kofi Coburn. You, you can't, I hate when people are like, they beat them without that player. 
Part of this COVID season is that. It's just, it was that. We went through that three-week surge. The, as Ed Cooley said last week, the other team's trying to win too. And the same could be said with, with Marquette and what they've been able to do. Marquette won at Villanova, right? They beat Providence by over 30 points. They beat, they swept Seton Hall, a Seton Hall team that's had a pretty good resume. They beat Xavier by double digits. Like, what Marquette's done is incredible. When they punch those numbers in that computer to see, they're going to count those six wins. They're not going to care about how many other losses because there's plenty of teams that we're talking about from a resume standpoint that won't come close to six wins. Six wins. They yeah. won't come close to it. No. No, you're right. And that's why, to me, Stephen, and I'm curious here, when you're a coach at this time of year in February – did you ever just take a look back at your non-conference schedule just to be like, okay, this is what I thought that, that maybe some of these opponents would be. Here's what they turned out to be for the good or for the other side. Yeah. Um, I did it a lot. I did it probably a lot more. I did it at Murray state than at, I than at Iowa state reason being at Murray state, <clears throat> you know, Iowa state, you kind of know if you're getting in or not for the most part. I mean, you would have a good feel. At Murray State, sometimes what happens, say you play, I'll just use Middle Tennessee State, and you play them early, and it's a, it's, it may be a quad one win. But as they go through league play and you go through league play, it may end up in March being a quad two or a quad three win. And those are the things that can hurt you at that level, you know, as you go further. And so, yeah, we, we would look at that a lot. Randolph, anything to add? Because I, I think you brought it up in a great way of, when they're putting this together, they're looking a lot more at, at, yeah, this is why you play 11 quad one games. Because if you get right. six wins, the five losses don't do any harm. Nobody concerned about it. They're going to look at the wins. So, you you know, that you got to give yourself. so Because where it comes back to bite you, and it's not an indictment. You know, you just gave a perfect analogy, Coach, of when you're coming from a mid-major or a lower major, it's the same thing when you're a high major. So if you're a high major program, you're building your program, you're like, hell, I got to battle through this Big East. I got to battle through ACC, Big Ten, whatever you conference. How many really good mid-major programs do you really want to take on? You're going to play one or two in an MTE. You know, you know, like what do you – how many games do you take on? Sometimes you got your rivalry games you got to play. So you, you, juggling that, that balance of scheduling on that makes it tough. And so you want to – you know, you start scheduling – yeah, we went through this at Wake. You know, you got to play Xavier. We're playing Richmond. Like, those aren't – those are like conference games. You know, you start playing those teams, you know, those are always really good, you know, you know, 20, Xavier's in the top 25. But, you know, again, that's a nationally ranked team. So when you start adding that into 20 league games, then the ACC Big Ten Challenge, you got to be real careful about your non-conference schedule. Yeah, I think the biggest thing he said to, to, to echo on is it's about who you beat. You're going to lose some games, you know, but you get 11 shots, you go six and five, man, you beat one six quad games, quad one games. The hard part is for the mid-majors, you're not getting 11 quad opportunities, yes. quad one opportunities. And yes. so the hard part, you know, there is no eye test in the NCAA. It's the numbers. No. And yep. so is two and one against quad one and two going to be better than six and five? You know, that's the hard part because the numbers aren't the same. But at the end of the day, who have you beaten? Not who's beat you, who have you beaten? Because that's yeah. your ceiling. That's how good you are. We've got a break. 
Up next, we start popping some bubbles. It's February <laughs> now. We're going to jump into some bubble talk right here. This is the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84. Okay, we got more questions on YouTube. From James, how do you guys feel about Purdue after their win tonight? You can take it right now. I, what do you think? Yeah, it changed anything with me. I mean, and we, well, I think we all, you know, thought they were right there. They're right there at the top of the, of the Big Ten. I mean, and, and, and fighting for a one seat, you know, when it's all said and done. I, I don't – I don't. they took care of business tonight. I, I'm not – surprised and you know they they what we thought they were so i don't know what what to take out of that game i expected them to win they did and they did you know right i I, I didn't either way i didn't expect much out of it yeah i second that the great thing about that is when you go on the road and you're a legit team you go play like it and they went up there and they didn't screw around they handled the game and they got out of there and back to west lafayette yeah they did what they had to do now in this game, Minnesota shot 11 for 22 from three. Um, but Minnesota couldn't stop a lick. And part of that's just how dynamic Purdue is. Jaden Ivey goes for 21 points, mm-hmm. 10 rebounds, four assists in this game. And Eric Hunter Jr., yep. he, he's a guy that, like, he, he he's deceiving, ain't he, in the stat sheet? Because this is a guy that really can have the breakout type of game on any given 15. night. Tonight, tw- 20 points for him, and we got 10 seconds. But – yeah, Hunter Jr. is really seconds. good. Yeah, I think he's a huge piece. He's experienced. He's been in the program. And, Five. You know, him, Sasha, and Jaden were great. Go. Deep into the night on this second night of February. Feel the 68 after dark. Sirius XM Channel 84, the ESPNU station. And Feel the 68 after dark has you covered on the road to Selection Sunday and then throughout the NCAA tournament. John Fancy here with you. Randolph Childress, Steve Prohm are here too. And guys, February is here. I wanted to jump in tonight to bubble talk. And we want to remind you that Fielding the 68, it's every Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time live on YouTube. Check out Fielding the 68 every Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. live on YouTube. So we get into bubble talk here, and we're not going to play blind resume game yet. We're going to get into bubble talk. In the last four in on Fielding the 68, the guys earlier this week had Wake Forest, Oregon, Wyoming, who had a big win earlier this week over Colorado State, huge win and San Diego State. Randolph, I'll start with you. Of those four, Wake Forest, Oregon, Wyoming, San Diego State, who do you look at of those four bubble teams, and who do you feel good about in the now? I know this will sound like a homer pick, but I'm going to go with Wake. I I, I like what I see. They're an experienced group. They have the ability to score, and when they're dialed in and connected defensively, they're going to give anybody a fair shot. I thought the only game when you watched them – you just looked at them and you're like, all right, that team's just a little better. And that was Duke. But 90% of the teams in the college basketball, we're gonna, Duke's going to line up against them and just going to say, hey, they, they're just a little better. But outside of that, I, I think they'll be right there finishing up in the league. They got some tough games to come down a stretch with. But uh, I, I, I thought they – I like the balance of that team right now. The guard play, Alondis Williams is ACC player of the year right now. 
leading that team. He doesn't get rushed. He doesn't get rattled. Should be on the koozie list. He's not, which is a tragedy. I, I don't I don't understand that at all. But that will be the team of that group that I think that, that, that that's the team most slept on. Okay, Coach Prom, where do you lie here? We talk Wyoming, San Diego State. Oregon is a team that's risen here and is steadily doing some things in the Pac-12, or do you side with RC? I would do Oregon right now. I'm, I'm a, and I'm a big fan of the Mountain West Conference, too. I think Wyoming, man, that was a terrific win. Is is That's probably their best win of the year. Uh, they played a, a very good non-conference schedule. But that's their best, best win of the year there with Colorado State. Uh, San Diego State is, you know, terrific defensively. They beat Colorado State as well, beat St. Mary's. But, you know, uh, and I'm a big fan of Steve at, at Wake. But Oregon, you look at, you know, they beat an SMU early, which SMU has won 13 out of 14 now. Uh, they beat UCLA. They beat USC on the road. Those are huge road games. And the great thing is they got them coming back to their place where if you can get sweeps over there later in the year, sweeps against them, that, that'll be prove huge but dang this teams always get better as the season goes on yeah it's a big weekend for oregon they're at colorado and at utah that's a very difficult weekend in the pac-12 like we go back to the pac-12 and the fact is this in many ways that conference schedule can hurt a team especially on the bubble it's hard the colorado utah road trip two games in three days that sounds like hell right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just you talk about uh, – and Randolph's probably played out there, but you talk about the altitude, you talk about the travel in uh, those two environments. In their games, really, when you look at it, you're supposed to win on the road if you're an NCAA tournament team. Like, they can't, they can't afford to slip up there. One thing that's going to hurt a lot of these teams is this, you know, again, that, that, that's going to screw this thing up for a lot of teams. It's just going to be the amount of games you play in certain days – because you're, you're, you're making up games, right? Like, like no one cares if you have to play three games in five days or, or, or five games. I mean, you got teams out there playing five games in 10 days, like they're got an NBA schedule, Yeah, you know? And so when, and when you're not a deep team and there's not a lot of people that have a deep rotation this year, I think the transfer portal is taking care of that. And it's forcing you to play some guys now you can't play that many games and, and and not and not go to your ninth guy, eighth and ninth and tenth guy on your bench. And and and, and that's gonna hurt some teams. According to Ken Palm, Oregon has the toughest strength of schedule of the four teams that are in our fielding the 68 last four in at the moment. So I think to your point, like because they've notched they're the one team out of the group of four that we've mm -hmm. mentioned with Wyoming, San Diego State, and Wake Forest. They're the one team with multiple quadrant one wins. By the same token, they have two quadrant three losses. So it all is relative here because the three other teams like Wake Forest and Wyoming have racked up quadrant three and quadrant four wins. That's what they've done. But you said it, Steve, Wyoming, they did attempt to challenge themselves in the non-con and they were able to beat Colorado State. I think that where we lie here, though, Randolph is for Wake Forest and Oregon there, you just have more of an open door for opportunity when you're in a power conference now Wake already had Duke on their floor that didn't work out and the ACC is worse than the it might be worse than the Pac-12 this year but it is it's worse than the Pac-12 Oregon having UCLA USC back on their home floor that's huge RC that's the difference maker that's the only reason why we're even considering them right now but 
we know that that game they got UCLA, there was no fans. Yeah. Right. So, so there, there'll be a, a team that's coming off that was coming off a pause as well. That I mean, UCLA had a long, you know, multiple pauses. We thought, hell, we forgot about them. I mean, they hadn't played so long. So, I, I, I would want to see how they respond when they play those teams. Because again, let's talk about we're talking about the Pac-12. What other team are they going to get that's going to be a resume builder outside of USC and UCLA? I mean, Arizona yeah. will be the only other team that they can play that we would we would really be like, okay, that's a that's a really good win for them. They're probably yeah. if they can get two out of those three, or will they go play Arizona twice? I'm sorry, twice. They, they, yeah. they played Arizona at all yet. But so out of those four games, if they can go two and two, it probably puts yeah. them in a good position to be in the field. You know, and, and eliminate the bad losses going yeah. for them. They got Duke at Duke. Duke again at Duke. They got Duke again. They're gonna have they'll have Miami. They'll have a few other chances there. But yeah. again, the, the league itself is just so bad. Where do you stand, RC, with Florida State? Uh, they have a net of 79. They're 13 and 7. They have two quad one wins. They have two quad three losses. Uh, where do you stand with Leonard Hamilton's team? I, I think they can't overcome the loss of Malik Osborne. I think that injury is devastating. Um, they're on a skid right now, and I don't know if they're going to be able to over overcome that. I, I think his injury is just they were at a hot, they were a hot team. I mean, they were rolling. And he got injured in a game and, and they've struggled ever since. So I, I don't I don't know if they can recover from that. I, I think that's just the one injury. They just it's just too much. Tell you what, you know who escaped tonight? Florida. They edged Missouri 66 yeah. 65. Coach Pearl, they needed it. Florida is a team. We talk about bubble talk. Florida's firmly on it. Here's why, folks. And this is where I look at the net and I sit here and say, I don't always understand it. I don't know how you guys feel. I think it's a good metric. I don't think it's the perfect metric. I don't think there is a perfect metric. Okay. Florida's net is 43. Not a bad net. You know, you, you, there's, a, there's some teams in, the, in that area that are right now in the field. But firmly is, Florida is firmly on the bubble. They are one in five. One and five against quadrant one opponents. And not to mention... This is a team that has a quadrant four loss. And a quadrant four loss is typically a demoralizing loss to a resume. Florida's yeah, got work. work to do. Florida's got work to do. Yeah, I agree. The one thing, you know, is, is the one thing we were just talking about is like nobody's going to say, hey, they didn't have this guy, they didn't have this guy. Because when we're sitting here talking about Florida, they haven't had Colin Castleton for how long? I mean, he hasn't right. been – he's been out for the last couple of games. He's their best player probably the best big, you know, one of the best bigs in, in the SEC. Um, you know, they beat Ohio State early. They beat Florida State early. They beat Mississippi State. But today was that game, and I didn't even realize it was on in the afternoon. I got home. I flipped that the last couple minutes. And the only thing I could think about from a coach's standpoint was, like, this is the one you can't lose. Like, you've got to figure out a way to win this one today because this is the one that will keep you right there in the thick of it. And then a little two, three game winning streak or one big quad one win, boom, it gets you in. And so they came through, you know, Appleby was awesome down the stretch and uh, they were able to get out of there uh, with a huge, huge win. Huh. How do you manage? I'll stay with you, Steve. When you're on the bubble, how much are you paying attention 
And, and how much is it on your mind that the players are looking at their phones? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I know my personality. I was always following the seedings. I just, you know, I, <laughs> I love it, man. I, I mean, I just, I grew up on the tournament. Like I just, you know, I mean, I still remember Randolph getting 40 plus in, in ACC tournament and his performance coming mean, I, I grew up in Virginia. Like I grew up watching ACC tournament. Like I've been following the, I got sent to the principal's office in my physics class. Cause I was, had these earphones in, you know, trying to listen to tournaments. So yeah, I follow it. I don't know how much the players follow it. I know some do. Uh, I don't think really? they all do, but I think some do. Really? Yeah. Just like, you know, NBA, like some guys follow like diehards and some, some don't, you know, I think that's from what I've been around. They got to follow it because you always you tell them all the time if they're as good as we think we are, then we should be in the tournament, right? If you if you if we if you're a pro that you think you are, then pros get their teams to the tournament. So that's something you always say. So they're watching, and then you hear about it. Like at this point in the year, everybody's talking about it. Like it's either going to be on Twitter, it's going to be on your local news. Like any everybody's discussing right now whether you're in or you're out. I mean, we got. You got teams that are getting at just we're just getting past a halfway point, and in every game we're talking about bracketology. So they they they're following it for sure. They know what they need to do. Big games coming up. They they're following it. No doubt about that. All right, three segments down, one to go here. Sirius XM Channel eighty four Field of sixty eight after dark. Up next, we talk Marquette Villanova as they get down the finish line and. Put the blinders on these guys. It's the blind resume game where I give you the metrics. You got to decide who you're taking, team one or team two. This is the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84. Okay, and questions. Wow. Marquette up 13. Marquette up 13. Justin Lewis, is he's getting on the NBA radar. I'm, I don't think that's a hot take either. I think that he is a guy that has really helped his stock. But in terms of right now what he's done, talk about taking your your game, your skill set, your body to another level under Shaka Smart. And Shaka told me, Randolph, over the weekend that he's never been harder on a player in his first year on a job than he has been on Lewis because he said, look, I saw it in Justin. He's 6'7". He's unique. He's a mismatch. But, Dan, if we're going to win anything, we need Justin Lewis. He's pushed him to the front and like, hey, if we're going to get there, you got to lead us and and give Justin credit, man. He stepped up. I mean, he is – he's answered the bell. I mean, pretty soon we got to do a segment one day on who's on the All-Big East team. It's going to be a lot of okay, left-out names from, in that one. You know, question any, from Bobby – yeah, go, go ahead. Well, the one possession, because I'm a little bit behind you. It's 37-57. Marquette's defensive possession right there. That led to the Lewis three to put him up 13. That's high, high level basketball. Really, really good. 15. All right, we're ready for blind resumes. Let's do it. We did get a question from Bob from Bobby D. He said, Who's the only team in Auburn this season? I think we all know who Bobby D is. Five. I think Rob snuck a question in there, didn't he? Oh, here we go. Here we go. This is the Field of 68 After Dark, Sirius XM Channel 84. I'm John Fanta with the wonderful panel, Steve Prohm, Randolph Childress, 
No, we will not be giving out their addresses tonight for you to send your resume cases in. It is time for the debut of Blind Resume. Here on the Field of 68 After Dark, we're going to give you two resumes. You're going to tell me whether you're taking them or whether you're leaving them. Are you Mm. guys ready? Are the contestants ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. We are ready. Okay. Okay, here we go. Team number one, get your pencil sharpened. Team number one, guys, is 17 and five. Okay. They are one and three against quadrant one. They are two and two against quadrant two. Okay. They are six and oh against quadrant three, and they are eight and oh against quadrant four. But they are one and three against quadrant one. They're 12 and one at home. They've rolled at home. They haven't really shown they can do it on the road, but there's your metrics. Okay. Team number two actually has a net ranking significantly lower than them. Team number two is 13 and seven overall. Team number two is four and five against quadrant one. Oh, and one against quadrant two. If you remember, our first team was two and two against quadrant two. This, this second team is 0-1 against Quadrant 2, 5-1 against Quad 3, and 4-0 against Quad 4. So, what which both team teams are you nets? taking? What, both, what were both teams' nets again? Team 1's net was 49. Teams 2, second team, was 65. Who are you taking? Steve. I'm going to take Team 2. You're taking Team 2. Randolph, who are you taking? I'm taking Team 2. Team 2 is Creighton. Team 1 is Wake Forest. Cool. Why are you taking Team 2, Steve? Well, now you tell me they're Creighton. I just, number one, it's it's the nine, nine opportunities against the quad one. Obviously going to give them more opportunities, but they're four and five against quad one, and that's four quad one wins. And at the end of the day, when you look at the at-large field, which it's going to be 36 at-large teams, how many teams are going to have five or more quad one wins? And they're at four right now. And so, uh, and then nine, nine and one against the, the bottom three and four. But I just, you know, Creighton's beaten Marquette. They've beaten Villanova. They've beaten BYU. They've beaten UConn. Those are four really, really good wins right there. Yep, and beat UConn last night at UConn. The way that they were able to win that game with defense – Ryan Kalkbrenner goes down early in the second half, and you both have said, everybody talks about who we're missing, who we don't have. Greg McDermott says, hey, Ryan Kalkbrenner's down with an ankle injury. I got to play smaller. He plays a freshman, Trey Alexander. His freshman, Arthur Kaluma, stepped up. Ryan Nemhart just scratching the surface. And guys, 24-year-old Ryan Hawkins was sensational last night. Defensively, Creighton limits UConn to 55 points, and Hawkins goes for 23-11. and 11. I think Randolph, just a reflection of, like Creighton's one of the very few programs in the country. They have won 20 or more games in 21 of the last 23 years. And, and they're on that track again after losing their entire starting five from last year. Man, we all know the coaching staff there and how great they are. I, I don't think it's anything going forward. I, I don't see how they don't get in unless they, unless they just freaking collapse. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting in. I mean, I mean, they're going to get more quad one wins and, and it's funny when you were given the numbers. I, I, if I had to guess, I would have guessed that it was Wake, 
And unfortunately, I don't know how many more quad one wins they're going to be able to get because the conference is so weak and they're just beating teams that nobody really cares about right now. But I think they'll get in, but Creighton should be a higher seed right now. I don't know why they're not in. Okay. All right, here we go. This is our second question for blind resume game. Okay. This is team number one. Team number one has an overall record of 12 and seven. Team number one is two and four against quadrant one. One and one against quadrant two. Four and two against quad three. They have two quad three losses and five and oh against quadrant four. Okay. That's team number one. Okay. Team number two is 13 and eight overall. 13 and eight overall. Team number two is one and five against quad one. They have one quadrant one win. They're four and two against quad two. So they have four good enough wins, if you will. Two and one against quadrant three. Five and one against quadrant four. They have one quadrant four loss. They only have one quadrant one win. Okay. Team one or team two? I'm taking team one. Randolph. Randolph's taking team one. Steve, who you got? Mm, this one's tight. Mm-hmm. The other one, I thought it was. I'm going to. The only reason I say Steve because I'm thinking that you cannot have a quad four loss with only one quad four. That, that's the only reason why I was kind of eh, like that's a bad loss. Go yeah. go. <laughs> that well, the one thing when you talk. You know, we say, hey, it's about who you win, not about who get who you get beat by. But those quad four losses do hurt you. Like, that, it, that does go against you and hurt you. Um, you know, they've played a ton of games. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go team two. Uh, I pro- I think I know who it is just because you said they're one and five earlier against <laughs> against quad one. But uh, I don't know this team one is. But I'm going to go team two just because they're five and seven overall against the three and five. But I could go either. Now, that one's really tough. Team two has a higher net by 16. Their, their net is 43. It's Florida. So Steve is putting Florida in with just one quad one win and one quad four loss. Randolph is putting Oregon in the field. So Randolph, you like Oregon over Florida. Steve, yes. if you had to decide between the Gators and Ducks, you would take the Gators in this instance. Huh? That's the magic of this game, man. <laughs> now, that's why it's the blind resume game, folks. That's why it's the blind resume game. You know, but you know what's funny? If you would have done Wake Forest in Florida, I'd have probably taken Wake. Well, no, 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 no. You're not. No, listen, I'm just saying when you look at these numbers. What's that? Yeah, I got you. You're I a contestant taken- on the game. <laughs> Yeah, you're not officiating the game. Don't try to do James, don't, don't try to do James Breeding's job, Steve Prom. Don't try to do an official's job, Steve Prom. Okay. Okay. Here we go. We got three minutes left here on Sirius. And we are playing this game on Field of 68 after dark afters, Twitter, and YouTube. Okay. Now the ducks deserve a bid, though. Okay, here we go. Team one. Team one. Is 16 and three overall. They're one and two against quadrant one. 
So just one quad one win. They're two and one against quadrant two. They are six and zero against quadrant three. They're seven and zero against quadrant four. Okay, that's team one. Team number two. 16 and six overall. Now I told you guys team number one was 16 and three. So this team has played three more games. They're 16 and six. Team number two is 0 and six against quadrant one. Sound the alarm. 0 and six against quadrant one. They're four and 0 against quad two. They're seven and 0 against quad three. They're five and 0 against quad four. Okay. And it bears noting that uh, they're 0-3 on a neutral floor, and they really haven't done much uh, away as well. So, okay. They're, so, team one there. or team two? Team one or team two? Team one. It's not even close. Yeah, team one. Okay, team no one, is quad my... one wins is No quad one wins is the one that just sticks yep. out to me. Okay, folks. Team, team one two is, is North Carolina. Team two is North Carolina. Yep. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. knew it. Yeah, they they they, they haven't be, they have they don't have they had they don't have a qual win yet. I mean they don't they they've got a chance. They're gonna have to get Duke. This this will help if they get Duke Saturday. That's a big big win for them. Huge. This is why though. This is what frustrates people on Selection Sunday. Because if you put Carolina into that that last four in and you leave out a team from the Mountain West, and if it's Wyoming, people are gonna throw stuff. Okay, because that this is where we talk about money and branding and the tournament. And there's people out there. I'm not saying us three are. We got a minute left. But this is where Power Conference, ACC, you're in the room. There's some high stakeholders in there. You know, Wyoming doesn't carry the same television rating as North Carolina. But that's, that's not what the tournament's about. If you're a committee member, Steve, you're, we got one minute left. You're putting Wyoming in over North Carolina. Well, they, they were team one. I didn't hear you say that. Wyoming yeah. is team one. Yep. Yeah, yes. they're yep. in. They're yep. in. They should be in. When you look at these resume right here, I would take Wyoming over North Carolina right now. Uh, how about that? I mean, I'll tell you, this was fun. Blind resume game is really fun, and it just goes to show you the kind of decisions that are ahead of the selection committee here. It's been a fun hour as Villanova and Marquette wind down. It looks like Providence is going to have a two-game lead in that loss column in the Big East. Marquette on the cusp of sweeping Villanova. For Steve Prohm, for Randolph Childress, I'm John Fanta. Thanks for joining us on Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. See you tomorrow. And you're clear. Okay. Providence is going to have these, like, you know how when you win a championship ring, man, you put stuff in grave, they're going to have lucky. They're going to have lucky, lucky stripe, you know, <laughs> for their Big E's ring. This is, uh, this is incredible. Uh, Villanova has not been swept. Villanova has not been swept by a team in the Big East since Butler in 2016-17, back in the days of Keelan Martin. Remember that that names and uh, Cam Woods. That, you have to go back to 2017. The only other team to do it is Doug McDermott and Creighton, 2013-14. So in his first Dougie. year, Shaka Smart. I mean, are you kidding me right now that Marquette's going to pull this off? Somebody texted me. They said they don't know how Marquette does it, but they do it. I could tell you how. They just play their tails off. Yeah, they defend their behinds off. Yeah, I'm telling you, that possession I watched, man, it was it was high level, man. But his teams at Texas in the half court were always very good defensively, you know. 
The difference now, Marquette's got that environment. You know, they got the juice. They got, you know, Texas fans, you know, it's just it's hit and miss. You know, Marquette, man, that's 17,000. They love it. And it's harder, too, to get those kids. He, he's recruiting one-and-dones and those kind yeah. of guys. And them guys are coming in there expecting, like, look, coach, I'm here eight months. I ain't, you know, they're buying in to do it. But it's almost like, look, I'm coming to play for you. But I got one foot in the door and I got the other one looking toward yeah. how much money I'm going to make. Yeah, sometimes it also ends up hurting you more than helping you. Yeah. You know, from that standpoint. But uh, ideally, you'd want it. That's why Auburn is so special, I think. You got the right group of guys with that one and done guy kind of interjected in that group. And that's what makes them so versatile and special. Yeah. Who but if you're, if you're coaching a college basketball team and you could tell me I could have the number one pick for one year or I could have really good players for four years, you're going to take, you know, in my opinion, you would take those guys that are going to be there, be legit players for four years if you want to sustain success and not just, you know, kind of be up and down all over the place. Yeah, and you got to go. You got to go back to February twenty second, twenty seventeen. The last time a team swept Villanova in the Big East, it was when Keelan Martin had twenty two points, Kamar Baldwin fifteen, Avery Woodson thirteen. Butler beat Villanova at the Pavilion, and two weeks after, like it wasn't like they faced each other in on New Year's Eve, and then and then now they're facing each other in February. This is just two. These are two games in two weeks. Villanova only has two conference losses total. They're about to have three, and two of them are going to come to Shaka, Smart, and Marquette. Is there anything to sometimes, like, I, don't get me wrong. Shaka's a really, really good coach. Any, any dynamic to sometimes, like, a first-year head coach in a league and what that creates for the other coaches in their scouting, in their prep, Steve? Yeah, well, it's new. I mean, it's new for everybody, you know, from that standpoint. I mean, when you when you get into the – the heart of your league and you've been in that league for five, six, seven, eight years. I mean, everybody kind of knows your core, what you want to do. Obviously Shaka's new to all those guys. Uh, but on the flip side too, now those guys are all new to Shaka as well. And so, but I do think there is a learning curve, you know, both ways. Man, this is really something. And just to see, I'll tell you, Tyler Kolick is a guy that hasn't even fully blossomed. Like they're still working on things with him when he's the passer out of a pick and roll though they are they're very successful tonight he's posted six assists and he's got 15 points and guys we've talked about lewis we've talked about colic daryl morsell yeah. has been such a great presence for this marquette team right steve and look at his body you saw him walk on me he is built man strong tough they're good man it's a great place to play man city loves basketball Great school. I mean, you knew you were going to be okay when you add the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, yeah. I mean come on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you add him to Shaka, you give Shaka that with a guy like Justin Lewis and and his offensive game is coming around. I mean, he's 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 the body, the ability to get to the rim, get in the paint. Uh, it, it's just a perfect match. Things just came together a lot quicker than hey. anybody expected. Yep. Ain't hey, something John. in the Big East. Yeah. What about yeah. – can you do – and if we can't do this, just say, hey, can't do it. What about – you know, we are talking about Dayton off air. What's a blind resume look like for them? Coach Prom, we can do anything. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So, so, and so, St. So Louis. Pause. And St. Louis. You, Dayton oh. and St. Louis. Okay, we're going to go – so you're going to give me the teams here and we're going to do them blind. Okay, yep, here we go. Yep. Here we go. Okay. Team number one. Got to go down the line here. Okay. 
Team number one has a record of 14 and seven. Team number one is two and one against quadrant one. Team number one is three and three against Q2, two and oh against Q3. Guys, they're seven and three against quadrant four. They have three horrendous losses. Okay. Team number two is 13 and six. One and two against quad one. So just one, they have one quad one win versus the other team who has two of them. Team number two is one and three against quadrant two. So they only have one, they only have two quad one, quad two wins. Team number two is three and one against quadrant three. Guys, team one was seven and three against Q4. Team number two is eight and O. Tricky. Yeah. Okay, who do you, who you got? I'm going to take, you know, I, I what I really want to say, I want to see Dayton is team one, you know, because, I mean, you know, they, we talked about them. You know, they lost those three tough games early. You know, Austin P. Uh, shoot, Lipscomb went up there and beat them, and then somebody else went up there and beat them. Uh, you know, the uh, UMass. Had a couple battles early. Yep. Yeah. It's a young group. They've gotten better. It's kind of like, you know, when do you lose your games, man? I mean, they've, they're five and four against quad one, quad two. I mean, Dayton – that's why I'm saying why, you know, we talked, you know, prepping for the show a little bit. Who's overlooked? Is Dayton not overlooked? I mean, they're five and four against the quad one and quad two. And, you know, they're not last four in, first four out, you know, second four out. Hmm. It's interesting. But the problem that I have is you have three horrible losses. I get it. Yeah. I mean, you have, you, you have three quadrant four losses. You know, if we're going to, like, here's the thing. Do you hurt a team more by having three quad four losses, or do you hurt a team more by not having a single quadrant one win? I'm referring to North Carolina. At the end of the day, I think you got to win games against good people. That's my opinion. But the knock you're going to get on that is. Yeah, so you can lose to bad people? It's Yeah, and then it's going to be. It's like one of those things you're going to say, hey, I'm just playing who's on the schedule. Like if, if, if Carolina finishes out the regular season, I mean, how many, how many more quad one wins are they going to get? If, if they play Florida State now, though, it's the direction that they're going, you know, how will we feel about that? Like how many more wins can they – quad one wins can they get? Hmm. Here, here's one for you, okay? Here's one for you. Team number one – is 14 and seven overall. They're two and five against quad one. All right. They're two and two against quad two. They're three and oh against quadrant three, and they're seven and oh against quadrant four. So they're, they have no, no major, majorly bad loss. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's team one. Team number two. Let's see here. I've got them here. Team number two is 11 and eight overall. Team number two is one and four against quad one. I'm going to change the rules of the game. I don't like team two. Team two is Michigan. They're not in. Team number two is 15 and three overall. Okay. They're two and two in quad one. Two and oh in quad two. Four and one in quad three. They have one quad three loss and seven and oh in quad four. So whose resume of the two teams I just listed do you like more? Run down that team one one more time real quick. 14 and seven overall. They're two and five against quad one. 
mm-hmm. two and two against quad two, three and zero oh, quad three, seven and zero oh, quad four. Who do you like more? I like team two. I do too. I'm a Randolph. Okay. Team two is Colorado State. Team one is Iowa. What's that tell you? And Iowa, guys, has a net of 24. And Colorado State's net is 38. See, like, that just shows you right there. that You're taking a Mountain West team over a Big Ten team. This is blind resumes. Mm. You're both speechless. You're both incredulous. <laughs> you know, I think it reflects it, though. Like, sometimes we give, you know, where you stand. And this year, the Mountain West and the WCC have been better than certain power conferences. There's zero questions asked about that. Zero. This will be the year. I, I think you'll get a lot of teams in like that. Uh, if there ever was a year, it'll, it'll be this year. Yeah. But Carolina's and, getting know, in. Let's, let's, let's put that on record now. They're getting in. Carolina's going to get in, you're saying. If they don't in. beat Duke either game, you say they're still getting in. They're getting in. No! <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I'm going to say I'm going to say this to you because again, they don't have any they don't have they don't they don't have any quad one wins, right? But they don't have any bad losses and they're going to finish top 4 in the league. And I'm not saying that they're not going to get a top 5, top 8 seed. They will get in with a 10th, 11th seed. They'll get in. They'll get in as a 10th seed. They'll, they'll be playing. It'll, we may see Carolina and Providence in the first round. It'll you, be something like that. They'll be a 10th, 11th seed. They'll, they'll get in. There's no way they're not getting in. But don't you have to be? I'm just saying, like, in this realm, they have no quality win. If they get swept by Duke, they're still going to make it into the tournament? Oh, Because I, they won't be the last team. Because I'll say this to you. If you're going to say that about Carolina, then you're probably going to be then then you're going to have to take the ACC down to a one bit lead. You're going to have to take the ACC down to a one bit lead. I, I don't know. I'm 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 stumped here because Steve, I just like and Randolph, I get what you're saying about about the bids and about leagues and and these stakeholders are in the room and they're making decisions. You know, like that to me, though, is a situation where if you have not racked up a, a, a quadrant one victory, a mm-hmm. single one, and you also have not really proven that you can win away from your home court. If they beat Duke, you're not going to hear much of an argument from me. Right. But, but for me, what's different between North Carolina and Florida State at this point? Florida State who beat number one Duke. Except Florida State has a couple more bad losses. You know, they have some. They've been inconsistent. I just don't. I don't know. I my computer. The overall record. The, the overall record. You broke your computer. <laughs> the overall record. I did. Of, my my computer quite literally went bad. flying. It 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 would be hey. like tonight. They lost. They lost to Clemson today. I mean, they lost to Clemson, right? And, and you're talking about their thirteen and six to six and five in a conference. That and and again, they were a team a week and a half ago. We had it was a no brainer. They were in. But the Malik Osborne, I mean the Osborne injury, they're, they're they're not the same team. They're 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 struggling right now, and I don't know if if that changes. Well, they're not going to go over for the rest of the year, but they're going to drop. They're going to drop some games. It's going to be tough for them to win. I think you know Florida State. They got the Duke win. They got the two wins over Miami, but 
you know, they needed. The and this was at tonight. home tonight. You know, that yeah. game, they was at home tonight. You're talking about that was a place where we were like, all right, at home, you can't get them. They, they, they're going to win at home. I mean, and, and they're not that team right now. I mean, they, they lost someone. They, I don't know if they can replace. And on that roster, who replaces them? All right, three cheers time. Three cheers time here on Field of 68 after dark. Randolph Childress, you are up first. I'm going to go with the Illini. I, I, I was really impressed tonight with their perimeter defense. I thought they did a really good job. Um, big win tonight. Sole possession of first place in the Big Ten, who we all think may be the best conference in college basketball. Uh, an argument to be made there, but for the injuries that they've had with two of their better players, uh, uh, for them to be where they are right now, my hat's off to. Yeah, no question. Huge win. Okay. Uh, Steve Prohm, your three cheers. Uh, Shaka Smart. I know there's 25 seconds left, but they're going to win this game tonight. And <laughs> to, win, to win eight out of nine in that league – after starting 0-3 like you just touched on, to sweep Villanova and have them top probably next week, top 20 in the country, if they, you know, hold on and win this weekend as well. He's done a phenomenal job up there. Um, and they got a chance with those guys we touched on earlier to make make a little bit of run. And uh, people are slowly starting to talk about Marquette right now and the job Shock is doing. So cheers to him. That's a hell of a win. It's the sixth win over a top 25 team. That matches a school record. And the Golden Eagles, the first team in the Big East to sweep the Wildcats since Butler in 2016-17. Just incredible what they have been able to do. Six top 25 wins. And like you said, winners of eight of nine. Three cheers for me. Yuri Collins. Yuri Collins, a sophomore for St. Louis. The Billikens beat George Mason 92-90 to in double overtime. And Yuri Collins... He's from St. Louis. He went for 35 points, 13 assists in 47 minutes. The dude played 47 minutes. He had five rebounds tonight, and uh, he only had three turnovers. You play 47 minutes of basketball, you have 13 assists to just three turnovers. That would have been enough for me. The dude scored 35 points, gentlemen. He shot 46% from the field. He shot in this game, he shot three of seven from three. Yuri Collins, three cheers to you. You keep St. Louis in the picture in terms of resume talk and whatnot. Yeah, it might be a bit of a, a long shot. We'll see, but they're in it. They, 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 you got to win certain games. Like you said, Coach Prohm, on the journey, there are some nights like Florida against Missouri tonight. No Just question. Yeah, and that's one St. Way. Louis had to find a way tonight. So put your red wine up in the air for them, Fanta. <laughs> hey you didn't, did did we get your computer back or did you break that is it broke for real my computer's back my computer's okay. back but my Good. liver's not from from raftery last night uh i got i need some water some water in bedtime somebody in milwaukee's about to make a lot of money off that man right now water and cheese it's where's sean paul at right <laughs> oh all right uh for Randolph Childress, Steve Prom, our producer, Greg Waddell, I'm John Fanta. We are back at 11 Eastern time Thursday night. Thanks for tuning in to Field of 68 After Dark. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.